This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Welcome back to The Verse, the podcast that will gladly murder younglings. Wait, what? No, no, sorry. The podcast that will gladly not murder younglings. This week, we close out our coverage of Disney Plus's Obi-Wan Kenobi. And go meet the Admiral for another session of the Versus Star Trek Academy. I cannot wait for this. I think I'm going to ask for his autograph after this segment. Who? The Admiral? Of course. That's really kind of you, Norm, but, you know, I can give you an autograph now. (laughs) No offense, Lucas, but I'm looking to get the autograph of the Admiral. Meetings. This bloke's taking a too few asteroids to your noggin. Well, we can address this later uh, during our The Versus Star Trek Academy. Uh, But until then, let Norm believe in the Admiral. No harm there. The Admiral? Where? Sorry, (laughs) sorry. Uh, Was just excited to see the Admiral. I almost crashed us into that satellite. Yeah, we noticed. If you hit that there satellite, we'd all be what said Fred. We would. I. What? What did he say? What is he talking about? He's saying if we hit the satellite, we'd be dead. Cockney 101, me blokes. Oh, Uh, gotcha. Well, uh, maybe we should get things moving. Let's meet the team. I'm Norm. I'm Bridget. I'm Lucas. I'm Leo. I'm Bert. And I'm Emilia. And this is The Verse News, where we bring you the latest in TV, film, pop culture, and superhero news from across the cinematic universes and beyond. Let's see what The Verse squads can look like this week. All right, got any news? I have no feel of uh, I have no fear of spoilers, so I can go whenever. Oh, you mean like news stealers? <laughs> yeah, there's no way no anybody cares about. What this would kind you of do if like me, someone so gonna... stole this? Like, what would you say? I do. You want to make a bet that nobody's going to steal <laughs> sure, this one? Totally. Okay, we will bet um, <laughs> an autograph from the admiral. <laughs> well, Lucas, that's oh, a, I'm getting okay, it. I'm I getting in on this one then. Really high stakes, Lucas. <laughs> I don't know if we should be doing that. That's like. You know what? Let's go for it. All right. Well, bet. <laughs> okay. Okay. This here, the bet's on. So my, uh, well, why don't we have everybody go first then to see if they steal? Oh, okay. Sure. You know what? My, my news is, is simple. Uh, this upcoming Friday, uh, Stranger Things season four, volume two will be out. I'm very excited for it because I thought this season has been probably the best season Stranger Things has had so far. And, uh, if you want a little bit more of that, uh, go over to Awards Radar. Both myself and Steven Prusikowski, the mysterious Prus behind the scenes, both have articles and interviews up about Season 4. He got to interview Sadie Sink, which is awesome. And if you read that interview, it's actually really fun. And I got to uh, talk to the sound team over there, and they were a blast. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this season, and I can't wait for more. I, I'm really excited to see how they wrap up this um, season four. 
this is actually a good segue into my news today because the star of Stranger Things, Millie Bobby Brown, is reportedly in talks to join Star Wars. Unconfirmed what project she'd be doing. Unconfirmed what character Teenage she'd be Leia. Playing. <laughs> you know, it didn't. That did cross Possibly my mind. Work. That did cross my mind. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i never seen Stranger Things, but I've seen Millie Bobby Brown in a handful of, mm-hmm. you know, She was works. great in Enola Holmes. Have you, oh, you that watched movie that one? was so yes. good. I was just going to so say that. Enola it just came Holmes, and went, and that, it was a really good film. She carried well, that it? whole film. I mean, the whole she mm-hmm. is the whole film, essentially. There's some, yeah. And she's got, like, an insane range, supporting man. cast, too. Like Yeah, well, Henry Cavill. Oh, yeah, Cavill Helena is Bonham also, Carter. as Sherlock Holmes, is awesome. It's Who great. played the older brother of Mycroft in that? It was also somebody. It's the guy great. from like, Hunger it was just Games, a... uh, Love from Rosie. Uh, it's the British actor. Uh, oh, I can't anyway, g- it's name. a great film. <laughs> They're and, all and British actors. People should definitely Good go back point. and watch that one because it's still on Netflix. So. Yes, it's a Netflix it, it totally film. Is. It's a Netflix original. Uh, but yeah, she is a phenomenal actress. And I will say that they are doing a sequel to it. Oh, even That's better. Great. So she's a phenomenal actress. Honestly, whatever character, if she does end up joining Star Wars universe, I think she'll nail it. And what was it that I just saw her in? Was the uh, a Godzilla versus Kong? She was just oh, in that's that right. she, too. Yeah, not a great film, but not a great a fun film, film as well. But fun. But yeah, she's yeah. she's really good, and for being so young, she's doing great. So wait, good speaking for her. of monsters, Bridget, have you watched Jurassic Park six, seven, whatever we're at now? No, oh, six. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it okay. yet. I need to. I told my sister that I. Okay, weird, weird thing. My sister is like deathly afraid of dinosaurs, and it's been because my father showed us <laughs> Jurassic. I got Park. good news for her. Ready? <laughs> yeah, something she doesn't worry about. Okay, I. <laughs> I will never forget this. There was a thunderstorm, and my father was in charge of us one evening on a weekend. My mother was working, so he thought it was a genius idea to let us watch Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. I was probably I about four or five. My sister's about seven or eight, and uh, uh, she refused to sleep in. We had bunk beds. She refused to sleep on the top bunk, which was her bed, because she thought the dinosaur was going to come through the roof. So then we split the bunk beds in half because she was too scared to sleep on the top. So then we split the bunk beds in half and we put the second bunk bed next to the window. Well, then she refused to sleep next to the window because she thought that scene where the eye comes up next to the car through the glass mm-hmm. window, she thought that she was going to wake up and the eye was going to be in the window when she woke up. But yet, she still really loves watching these movies. <laughs> so, I promise her. Well, uh, no, I want to say great movies. The first one's amazing. First the first movie. Jurassic Park is in like my top ten of all best movies of all time. And then yeah. the rest of them exist. Yes. <laughs> But that is, they're that very is entertaining watches, accurate. so I promised her we'd do a marathon. Because if you could just get, like, oh, yeah. a good rainy thunderstorm day in the summer, like, staying inside and watching mm-hmm. those films, like, to me, is, like, the best day. So well, we're going to binge them all I watched and the, then yeah. see the new one. Yeah. I watched the new one, and I saw it in, like, a theater full of children, and that is the best way to see it. Because it's, like, a kid's movie. Like, let's be real. And <laughs> uh, the what kids were calling about? out the names of the dinosaurs, and they were screaming. They were so into it. I was like, it was, made it so much more entertaining. Well, I tell you, I'm excited to go back to Universe Studios and ride their new coaster, their Jurassic oh, cool. coaster. Everyone is like raving about it, so uh, I'm excited to see that they have some pretty cool rides over there. Besides Harry Potter, which is just like, mm-hmm. if you've never been, it needs to be a bucket list item. That's all I gotta say. Cool, I'd love to. Shameless do it. plug for Universal Studios. 
Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> All right. So, um, to see if if anyone's going to win this this uh, this yeah. bet, um, which I think Lucas is going to win because I, <laughs> yeah, I I knew I wasn't winning with my yeah. news. So I just um, I really don't want to give up that prized autographed photo of the admiral. It's just. Gonna... It's a photo? I thought it was just an autograph. Oh, it's wow. A, now it's the stakes are even photo. higher. Oh, oh yeah. Dang it. Mine is it's framed. <laughs> Certificate of authenticity and all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have some Game of Thrones related news, which I, so I kind of felt like news was a little thin. So this was um, basically George R. R. Martin was interviewed about this new Jon Snow series, um, this new like Game of Thrones spinoff. And he basically just was like, this is all Kit's idea. (laughs) Um, Okay, that makes it sound like uh, they really had it out for him. But he said it was Kit Harington who brought the idea. Um, He brought in writers, showrunners, his own team. And then he, like, saves it by being like, you know, everyone's great. I am involved, just like I'm involved in every single other uh, Game of Thrones spinoff instead of writing the books. (laughs) And... (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice jab there. <laughs> and so, um, and for me, the kicker was that then they also included some um, information from an interview with Amelia Clark, a separate interview, where she's like, yep, this is certainly happening. And yes, it was all Kit's idea. Um, whatever, whatever it is, it's all approved by Kit. Um, and if asked if she would return to the series, she said, no, I think I'm done. Yeah, her so. character, no like, spoiler, but she doesn't survive through the end of the series, so that makes a lot yeah, of sense. But I mean, I mean, if if it was like her memory haunting him, oh yeah, that would yeah, be you're right. There's cool. ways to incorporate it in with her. Yeah. So, so Emily, what I'm what I'm getting from this is this Kit Harrington had a, had something to do with the fact that this is being made, and that yes. any and all blame for failure should go towards him. Yes, this almost read to me like it was a little bit of a hit job because I was like <laughs> that's yep. what I'm putting together <laughs> right like, now. At no point has is does Kit's voice come into this, but the the impression I'm getting they're just like, yeah, Kit really loves playing Jon Snow and so he just McQueen. can't let this go. <laughs> it almost makes me feel bad I mean, for the guy. Like, dude, like let What it else go. does he have? <laughs> Other than the Marvel at some point he's gonna have to show back up in Marvel, right? Yeah, he's gonna be the Black Knight. I just like I I almost think at this point like if he wants to do it and keep like playing this role, all I think of is like in thirty forty years from now and like some classy Comic Con like everyone's gonna be like oh that's the guy who played like he's gonna keep going back to the same comic like no one's gonna really have his care. little booth yeah. yeah 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 next to the admiral sign doing signatures yeah yeah here's my here's the, the admiral's copy. gonna be at Comic Con <laughs> oh yes here's here's a copy of my autobiography that sold ten copies two of which were my mother like <laughs> <laughs> let it snow that's what the title let it snow is be. oh my god yes he'll be the sitting next to deep. Yes, exactly, exactly, <laughs> um, exactly that. Well, and I have bad news for you, Bridget. it's going to be an Ohio Mall in Sandusky. It's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sorry. Well, I, I have to deliver the bad news that nobody covered my news. Uh, anybody here read uh, the science fiction book Three Body Problem? No, I don't read it. Oh, I'm actually reading nope. it right now. 
Oh, so there was a potential you could have stolen this from me. So it wasn't that that outlandish. Can what do you think of it, by the way? My, my autograph from the from the admiral. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like it. I'm like, well, I'm reading it on Kindle, so it's hard to tell how far in I am. But it's super interesting. I really like the historical aspect of it, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. The writing style is just interesting, and the the concept is is very like inventive. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, it feels like quintessential science fiction, but modernized. Yeah, I only read the first one, and I've I've heard the uh, the subsequent books are really great as well, and maybe even like make the first one better. So I really need to continue the series. The reason I bring it up is Netflix is doing a television show of the Three Body Problem, and they just casted Jonathan Price, Rosalind Chow, Ben Schnetzer, and E. Ridley uh, as characters in it. And my first reaction to all of this is like, how are you going to adapt that crazy sci-fi book? Because it's like crazy. The concepts they deal with are very like intellectual. And I mean, in some ways visual, because I I can't even begin to describe to you what the book is about. It's like, it's contact with an alien race that, you know, uh, has like, um, is essentially like infiltrated uh, the the globe. Um, So -hmm. it's kind of like a mashup of like... um, what would you call it, like body snatchers type thing, as in like there's some conspiracy happening and they have to figure out what it is and it turns out there's aliens. Um, That's just brushing the surface. It's really deep and weird. Uh, And that's where I'm like, how are they going to make sense of this? Because it's a TV show makes sense more than a series, but I still think it's kind of a huge undertaking to try to visualize this for the screen. Well, I I feel like Netflix just needs to take big swings right now because if they don't, they're they're – they're lost. Yeah, they should take big swings with less money. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, find, I like agree. indie filmmaking at its finest is what they should be doing. Anyway, this is a, and you can tell this is probably for more of a global audience anyway. Uh, I think they're not doing this just for uh, American audiences, uh, mm-hmm. because you know this is actually like it was a huge, a hugely successful sci-fi series around the world. A Chinese author who wrote it. Uh, that, and as Emilia points out, they actually really go into the cultural revolution that happened. It's like a big part of the intro, it, like the first third of the book or something. It's crazy, like how much time they spend on in the past. Uh, so I think f- especially for Western audiences, I highly recommend checking it out because it's a different perspective for science fiction than you typically are exposed to. Yeah. And like it is um, like historical fiction, but it's super interesting because it is it is based on real life events that aren't really taught here. Um, mm-hmm. and it definitely like let me have some interesting conversations with my parents. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. So anyway, that check that out and thank you. I will gladly accept my, uh, victory in winning the, the no news. Theory. I just, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to part with this. I mean, like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be real tough. I'll donate it to charity. I think that we should donate it to Norm. Mm-hmm. That's pretty yeah. much what I meant by that. You get our charity, Norm. Oh! Oh, slight Fair dig. Enough. Thanks. Sorry about that. Slight, slight dig. He's talking about the same people here. With all this scribbling. I already burned it. Oh, you used to chase me away as taking cockroach, I keep. <laughs> Found the whole lot of it. So go up with the wind. Why do we have a robot again? Well, I guess because you can't. Seems unnecessary. Oh, yeah, don't have a robot, right? Where's that airwalk at? <laughs> I think I saw it run into the airwalk. You <laughs> should uh, 
Chase after it. Go. Go, go after it. Away all again. Go chase it over that <laughs> to that airlock. You better watch your back, you stupid brooch on a crutch. Well, I'm sorry to say, it's only humans and robots on this airship. No cockroaches. Carry on, lot. <laughs> that was the verse news. Great job, everyone. <laughs> Alright, so shall we move on to our coverage of the Obi-Wan season one finale? Are we ready for this? Okay, so s- since I watched this, I've just been waiting to talk to y'all about it. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like I might have set up uh, Bridget's expectations a little too high with, with just some manifestation that we did last podcast, and now I feel bad. Why? You should, you should feel really terrible. Oh, because it no, didn't do all the things no. that we knew weren't going to happen. No, it's, we it's knew it really weren't going to okay. happen, but it was a, it was a, apparently a great idea because... I got Bridget real excited. But I feel well, like, to I be was... fair, I was already, like, over-the-top jazzed. So I'm sure at that point, anything <laughs> like that remotely could have been surprising. I was like, what? What? Are you serious? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I probably so could have been admitted review... last week for, like, Star Wars. Like, uh, not paranoia, but uh, <laughs> something. Something. Well, do you want to remind us what happened in this episode? And then you can always point out the things you wish happened. Um, yeah, I can do that. Um, so in this episode, the season finale. Um, so Obi-Wan, they're trying to, they're on a portal transport. Obi-Wan, Leia, and all the Jedi and all these other families that they're trying to get to safety are on this portal. The portal got damaged, though. Uh, and Darth they're, Vader... Yeah, they're in hot pursuit by yes. Vader and a Star Destroyer that's yes. going pew, 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 yeah, pew at them. Yeah, and they got the shields up, but it's, like, not going to hold off. So Obi-Wan's like, I got to go face him. I, I got to go face Darth. And they're like, no, man, you don't need to. And he's like, no, but I do. Uh, so Obi-Wan hops off the ship and he, we, we find ourselves in a similar setting that we last saw Obi-Wan and Anakin face off a dark, desolate, just, just without, just without, the just lava. without a lot. Oh, yeah, lava, just less yeah. lava, mostly dark and rocky, uh, but no lava. Can I point something out, though, that I loved about this episode that still makes me laugh thinking about it? So they're chasing after the rebels, and everybody around Vader's like, hey, like, just let that Obi-Wan guy go. We need to catch the rebels. And he's like, no, we're turning this whole ship around. We're going after him. And then when they get to the planet, he's like, all right, I don't need you guys anymore later. And then takes his own, like, he could have just followed Obi-Wan in the ship, but it's Darth Vader. He doesn't really care. He just wants no, his revenge. It's Anakin Skywalker, the most dramatic yeah. person so in the he, galaxy. He literally made them give him a ride. <laughs> it's so funny. Yep. Like that's... Everyone's got to be there. Everyone's got to see this. Yeah. Monitor this situation. I'm getting this mo- mofo. It's literally like, no, you, y'all going to drop me off. <laughs> it's so yep. funny. All right. I just yep. had to vent. That's oh, that's awesome. okay. Totally, totally yeah. acceptable. Well, also, so while that's going on, uh, oh, my God. Why can't I think of her name? Reva. Reva, thank you. Uh, she discovers a Luke that Darth Vader has a son that is the Luke Skywalker. So she travels. Where do we go? Of course, back to Tatooine. Tatooine. 
where we knew he'd be back. We knew yeah. he'd be back. Where Uncle Ben and Aunt Peru uh, realize that Reva, well, Reva first lands in the town and she gets all threatened and she hurts people. So they realize that Reva's going to come after them to get Luke and they go in like full on defense mode. And all I got to say is. <laughs> They are way more bad A-double-S than I could have ever imagined. They were awesome. You you know, I always knew Tatooine was Space Texas. I just (laughs) just never had the courage to say it out loud until now. This is a safe space, Norm, okay? This is a safe space. (laughs) Um, And so, like, while that, like, duel, duel, it's not a duel, but they're, like, trying to ward off Reva. She's trying to come steal Luke. Yeah, showdown, I guess. Yeah, showdown. Yeah, that's the good word. This is Texas, after all. The space, the Texas of space. Um, while that's going on, Obi-Wan is fighting Darth Vader, and it's like this back and forth of like everything that's going on. And I just, it was so beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. Um, I don't want to spoil anything yet, but it was just, I'm going to get a tear yeah, in my so- eye. <laughs> So and and then and then outcomes happen. Outcomes happen. Things happened. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's 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 this. It's the finale. You. It's there's no such thing as a spoiler-free finale. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I will stand my ground against that. I will take the high ground on that one. I have the high ground. <laughs> we we saw a little uh, high ground reversal in this. As well. And it didn't matter. <laughs> I love, I love how Obi Wan's story has constantly been. Oh, if I have the high ground, you're effed. But if you have the high ground, oh, uh, I am gonna. <laughs> it does not matter. I, I am the master yeah. of the high ground. Well, <laughs> whether I have it or not. So I personally, I would really just like to dissect the Obi Wan Darth Vader battle, if we could, please, because I think that this was like we talked about this in the last episode and i said star wars fans are gonna be so upset if we don't get like an eight minute lightsaber duel comparable mm-hmm. to what the last I think you got like 15 <laughs> but it was so uh, much... and if we take out the cut but scenes listen, i think it's probably close to like what bridget's it asking was for so... but it was so much more than just like a really cool choreographed lightsaber duel like okay well, so. Well, that's what made their lightsaber duel in Revenge of the Sith so compelling was it just wasn't just fighting. They, there was emotion injected into it, and mostly from, from Obi-Wan. Gonna, and it's the same yeah, here. I'm going to do well, it. the same as not... Return of the Jedi, remember? Where, you know, it's not a, using those moments of action to actually show, to push story and character is like when you do an action scene well, right? It's not mm-hmm. just. You know, the, yes. the carnival of, like, watching people move on a screen, which is beautiful, and I love that stuff. But when you can actually put it all together where you're telling a story that's emotional and the, the characters are getting, you know, you're exploring them as well as, you know, essentially putting a, a, which is this, an exclamation point on the different character arcs in this. You know, that's when it works well. And they delivered. I My whole thing is I'm like, I feel like they had this scene in their minds and they wrote an entire series around it because it was worth the entire series for that one scene. I will say that. Yeah. So, I guess to describe their dual battle a little bit. Well, first off, the it, it started because Obi-Wan, we had a callback to, again, the last time they faced off. 
and with the infamous line, I will do what I must. And then Anakin, in the original movie, goes, you will try. And then they start battling. Well, anyways, Obi-Wan just goes, I will do what I must. And they get into this, like, really, just, like, I would say this was probably one of the grittiest lightsaber battles I've seen. I would say that in The Force Awakens, them in the forest was probably grittier than this between Rey and Kylo Ren and Finn. That was a pretty, like, raw battle because you were like inexperienced lightsaber fighter fighter so this one was a little more eloquent i would say but i mean like they're punching each other like they it got physical beyond the lightsabers like they're punching each other they're grabbing arms and the biggest moment comes where darth gets the quote-unquote high ground and literally buries obi-wan in a pit well, he and just, creates like, the high ground yes <laughs> and he's just, oh yeah, he he pulls the ground underneath yes. Obi Wan and then buries and him under the There was a sinkhole rocks. right there. Darth is just like <laughs> using the. There was a cave underneath. Look, look. There's tons of caves. There's just a giant gopher that lives on that planet, and just that's, you know, when you have a gopher place. problem, Space gopher? The gopher planet. Okay, fair. So Obi Wan is like getting literally getting buried alive, and we 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 don't see him underneath the rock at first. We just see like Darth just like using the force to like pile a pile these rocks on top of them and then they like go to a different scene with reva and then they come back and then we cut to obi-wan and he's using the force like he's literally getting buried alive but he's using the force to keep the rocks just off him enough well then like the strength of the force just returns to obi-wan and he just like shoots these rocks just completely after him starts pelting darth vader and then we get this, like, incredible scene when Obi-Wan, like, is back on top of the surface. He, you know, is at level ground now, okay? There's no high ground. It's just level ground. And he he looks like Moses parting the Red Sea. And he's got his arms open wide. And he's just, like, using the force. And all these rocks are just going bam, 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 like, into Darth Vader. And he's just getting pelted. And he can, like, not even stand up. Well, then they start dueling again. And... Obi-Wan strikes Darth Vader's helmet, like, completely, like, like laser swords it down the middle, and we, we see Anakin, like, we see Anakin's face for, like, the first time. And even cooler, we hear cooler. Anakin's voice m- mixed, mixed with Vader. I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, they, they wrote this scene first. They're like, this they is the show. All right, then what else happens to well, get so, us here? So the, so- the, the, the face mask is split. And so you're seeing Anakin and seeing Darth, but also the voices are mixed. So part of it is the voice box, like you're hearing James Earl Jones, and then Mm -hmm. the other part is like you're actually hearing Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. And it's like going back and forth. And you see Anakin, like basically in Darth Vader, but then like Anakin declares, like, he's like, no, like, when I became Darth Vader, I killed Anakin Skywalker. Like, Anakin is gone forever. Like, I am not him. And that's when, like, Obi-Wan realizes, like, truly, like, his friend, Anakin, his Padawan, his student, his friend, his brother, is gone. Like, he's he's there, but he's dead. Like, he's not the same person anymore, if you even want to call him a person. Yeah. And, he's like... More, he's more machine now machine than man. But you realize truly like how far deep into the dark side the Darth Vader has become like like Anakin's gone like he doesn't even like realize anymore he just like sees red 
essentially. Yeah, I think this scene was even oh. more effective than you're giving it a little bit credit for because I want to point out a couple of things that oh, work so well do. for it. It starts with Obi Wan saying, "I'm sorry." He's like, because he's crushed by this guilt that he failed Anakin, that it's his fault, yeah. and then the idea that essentially he's buried underneath all of this past, right, crushing him. And then when he finally can, in some ways, forgive himself is when he unleash, he uses the force to his full capacity. And then, and then essentially what you're right, the end thing that heals him fully is when uh, you see what actually happened to Vader, or I should say Anakin, is he's like gleefully, no, you, you can't take uh, my actions away from me. This, I did this. Essentially, I did this and I, I'll do it again. I do it again a thousand times. And because, like, essentially, it's it's showing you that, like, it really wasn't Obi Wan. Like, Obi Wan did the best he could with the circumstances, and it's truly Vader's choices that got him there. Which Vader acknowledges. He's not like he's trying to let Obi Wan off the hook. He's just also like, this is rage is what sustains me. So don't you can't take that away from me. Like, well, this is my rage. Up for debate though, like, uh, you know, was it just um, Anakin's choices, or could you argue like the whole Jedi Order? maybe drove him to the dark side. Oh, totally. You could you could totally still his choices that. though, right? I mean, like So, it's hard it's hard to to say that it's the Jedi 100% because Palpatine obviously had a very very big role in that and the whole battle between the two, but the Jedi sacrificed so much of their beliefs during the Clone Wars and you see that in the Clone Wars series how far away from the path they go. But even in this, the Clone Wars series, you see the moments where Anakin is his own person, and he doesn't. You can tell he doesn't believe in the Jedi philosophy. Like that's that's like a pretty big story point throughout the Clone Wars that Anakin's not a, really a Jedi, and yeah. it's the reason why in um, in Revenge of the Sith you understand when Mace Window Windu Window. Wow. <laughs> He fell, when Mace, he fell out a window. He, he went out a window. <laughs> he got so. defenestrated, yes. <laughs> um, uh, so you understand, like, when, when Windu is like, you're not a master, and, it like, it makes sense. So, But the, the one thing that I loved about that scene of Obi-Wan being, like, crushed by Vader and, and the guilt that that he had there was it was the – he had to remember his – the the true teachings of the Jedi and that being for the people, the future and everything. Cause you start remembering Luke and Leia, Leia. Mm-hmm. and that's what like brought him back to, you know, full force power. Yeah. I will say that seeing you and McGregor like cry on screen like that, like Obi-Wan and like admitting his full defeat essentially before I guess winning, you want to say like that, that you're, you're absolutely right. Lucas, like that was like, the heart of the scene like seeing that like that was oh my god that was insane this also makes a new hope cooler because if you think about it they've already faced off and he and he could have destroyed him right there and he didn't because i think what obi-wan realizes if i kill him it doesn't matter like it doesn't solve anything Mm-mm. but if like i allow him to kill me like it'll set things in motion that will take down not just darth vader it'll take down the emperor too so there's something almost really like the only way to victory is self-sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like crushing your your enemies, like because it's not not going to actually resolve anything. So there's some something that what they did in this episode makes the entire series better. Like it makes the prequels cooler. It almost like everything. is a, a, a wonderful kind of like addendum to the prequels, and I think it also sets up like why he made those decisions in A New Hope. Anyway, that's how. No, I, I 
think that, <laughs> again, like between now this series and the Clone Wars, it only makes the prequels and the original trilogy truly yeah. just that much better. Like, it's very, it's very, for being a Star Wars fan, it's just very cool to see this, like, with each new piece of content, truly. Like, it's just enhancing what already became before, and I think they are doing a very good job of, you know, creating new storylines, essentially, but also, like, mm-hmm. paying homage to, like, the original film. So, again, if those were their intentions so, to do that, I don't know. But it's... So it's, this this is this is partly uh, a complaint that I'm going to have about this is that I felt like they used too much callbacks to other media that has happened. The whole, uh, you know, uh, then my friend is truly dead, mm-hmm. uh, mimics the Luke line that my father truly is dead yeah. from, mm-hmm. uh, return of the Jedi. The part where he gets, uh, where Vader's helmet gets sliced half off and, he has that moment where it's Anakin's voice and Vader's voice is straight from Rebels, where Ahsoka and him fight. Mm-hmm. So, like, th- there's these parts oh where I'm like, God, wow, that's I cool, totally but at the same time, that it's... it happened in Rebels. How? Oh. That's, like, one of the best moments in Rebels. I remember the whole fight and everything, but I forgot about the mask part. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm sitting here. Oh, my God. Because I sat here and I was like, so, oh, you're so, so it, right. It's beautiful. Oh. And at the same time, it's like, at the same time, it's a little annoying to me because I'm like, there was a chance to do something new and fresh. And instead, you went completely nostalgic. Well, I, I understand uh, your, I, I, that's a valid complaint. Because it's one of those things, too, though, where if, if you are a super fan, you already know all these things anyway. You don't have to play to us. We know this. And then if you're not a super fan, like, is it really going to be as effective? Because it's all like you have to know all the different information to link right. all the stories. So it is kind of a catch-22. And I can understand so, so that, that. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. But while saying that, I'm also still saying that I absolutely love this. Not only this episode, I've loved this series. I said it every single time. Um, it doesn't hurt that I'm a giant uh, Obi-Wan fan, but mm-hmm. still. Uh, and this battle was something that I thought... A li- mimicked a little too much of the last battle. Like, they were like, oh, we're going to take a ton of that choreography and bring it back, which makes sense because it's their fighting styles, so it would kind of end up that way. I did really enjoy the fact that, you know, Vader changed his repertoire more, and mm-hmm. especially when he, you know, collapsed the, the ground beneath him. I thought everything was beautiful and sub- symbolic in different ways, and... That made the cutting back to Reva's story mm-hmm. more emotional to me. Yeah, because I think I think if they would have separated those two events, I don't think the Reva story that's going on there would have been as emotional. Right. I love Maybe that story, by the way. I I wanted to get into it, but I wanted everybody to have a say. And Emily, I really hasn't talked as that much. But. Well, so I'm I curious mean, how it landed with you. I think this, yeah, I mean, I think it was, like, a, it was good. It was definitely way better than Boba Fett. <laughs> oh, incoherent. That's not a high bar to clear. This has but the I high think, ground for sure. <laughs> for sure. And, like. Because it's Kenobi. <laughs> the, like, it was, like, I feel like there's so many things to praise about it. But overall, I, I still feel like there's that missing link of just, like, you really have to, you really do have to like be immersed in this world and like mm-hmm. truly care about the characters for it to hit that hard and so 
I was just sort of like, oh, this is like a good show, but it's not like, it's not speaking to me. It's not like connecting with my soul. And I think that that's like where the disconnect is. Yeah, that's a very oh, yeah. valid point. No, so I mean, I think Norman yeah. and Emily are, are right on. Like, we love it. Like, as a super fan, I'm like, yeah, I love it. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I could totally understand if somebody's like, I don't give a shit. But uh, I mean, like, truly, squirts. like, this, I would say this series was totally fan service, though. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you think of all, of truly I all the callbacks so much, yeah. and everything, like, like uh, by uh, the last callback especially was totally just fan service at its finest. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean... Hello there. I, I Hello was there. not, ex- yeah. listen, I was not expecting that at all. Oh. I really was not. No. The what? minute Owen, Owen said, hey, do you want to, do you want, Ben, do you want to meet him? I was like, oh, here I we go. Know. I just was so... And he had the I little just... ship that Lou plays with in, in um... Uh. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. But, you know, but this is, this is the one, it's a real big failing of Star Wars is that, like, truly it's made for the fans and, like, Mm -hmm. they do everything basically based on fan service, whereas, like, I think Marvel is much better about creating new storylines and drawing in new audiences and tailoring different stories to bring in different viewers and everyone can find their own little niche within the Marvel Universe. Star Wars is like, you gotta be all in or nothing. Like you gotta know. I, I think that's changing. I really do. I, I think there there are the series like this and like the Mandalorian the that new are stuff definitely is helping. Be the Mandalorian that. made a huge difference for this because you could be a fan and watch the Mandalorian and not really have seen everything else. It helps and it overall like might make a better viewing experience. But you didn't need to know everything. But that's why serialized storytelling is actually way more generous to new viewers because it's like you don't have to know everything and the storyline will kind of wrap itself up in this one episode. That's why The Mandalorian for the first two seasons like had seasonal arcs, but they also had a lot of standalone episodes that were just great to watch. And this Obi-Wan did not have that. (laughs) This was one long continuous. It was one uh, episodic story after another, and it was essentially one long feature film that we got to Yeah, and I think, too, I I mean, like, even though they gave us, like, the sizzle reel at the beginning of this series, like, how emotional they made these, like, so many tiebacks to the prequels. Like, I I can't even imagine trying to watch this not having seen those movies like i like to mm-hmm. me the emotion everything would not have hit like because everything no, that was impactful agreed. about the show is based on what happened in the original movies or the prequels I and mean. then what's right. going to happen in the subsequent and then what's going to happen I mean? in the original yeah. trilogy so it's like yeah. i i personally like, i don't need i can't i can't imagine that because i'm not one of those people so i would be mm-hmm. absolutely curious to talk to someone who's never seen the movies but watched yeah. Obi-Wan because I'm like, how? Like, did you like it? Like, how would and you we, like it? We, and we ruined that by making Emily watch Exactly. I mean, that's the, the, <laughs> the shame of it. Like, Emily had this spots. perfect, like, you know, unadulterated, like, no Star Wars background and we ruined it. We, we soiled, soiled it. it. Sorry. Soiled it. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it, it did make me think of, like, some other interesting questions and well, frankly, potential plot holes, but um, so many. <laughs> what one of them was like, and that's that's like kind of the issue with going back to, like a, not just doing a prequel, but doing especially because this occurs between two trilogies, mm-hmm. which I think makes it extra challenging to like not introduce entirely like story breaking plot points. Um, but on a lighter note, I was curious if anyone else thought that during the lightsaber duel. If they they thought the sound effects were more like 
in your face than usual because I you're like we all know that that lightsabers make the wong wong sound, but I felt like they were really hamming it up this time, which I like. Well, they they definitely went hyper real with it because the sound of the rock breaking was like every single thing was mountains breaking. So, so yeah, I mean, they definitely leaned in hard with the sound effects, which they should have instead led with the music. Cause the music was still pretty on point. Um, you know, John Williams, uh, supervising, um, he didn't do much of the score, unfortunately. Um, but still, you know, you're going to get some good product there, so why not lean into that more than the sound effects? But they did ham up the sound effects a good bit. Yeah, because I felt like it wasn't just when their lightsabers would meet and clash. It was like like if one of them stumbled back, you'd hear like a... We all love lightsaber sounds. Yeah, We all make them. That's universal, by the way. Even people who aren't huge super fans of Star Wars will make the lightsaber sounds when they pick up a lightsaber. So I, I want to jump over into the Reva story. Yes, uh, please. I've been story because, biting my tongue because I want to talk about it so much. Yeah, because th- this was a big point of contention amongst air quote-unquote fans. Fans. Before they even saw the whole storyline come to a conclusion, which totally should make you rethink about the entire performance of and storyline of her character. Yeah. So, you know... I, I first said on the podcast that I I liked this character. I just mm-hmm. was hoping that they would turn out to be completely evil because I think besides Palpatine, um, Vader has a redemption arc. I, I want another one that doesn't have a redemption arc. I really do. I just want a mustache twirling villain in Star yeah. Wars because at the end, at the end of every single one of these, it seems like there's only one person in all of Star Wars that doesn't have a redemption, and that is Palpatine or Sidious, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. He's the only person. I wanted one more character. One more. Can't give it to me. But still, her storyline was solid. Her performance, I thought, was 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 beyond what people were saying it was. Like to to say that that it was clunky or or raw is is short sighted at best. But um, her storyline, I thought, has a very good arc because of the whole ending of how it ends yes the journey the journey is is good but if it doesn't end the way it does it would have been an absolute uh lost story and it would have made it would have made the quote-unquote fans valid and i would have hated that (laughs) well what i love about that whole storyline one is that remember i was like big complaint is like i want more owen and aunt brew like, I need more of that. And they, they delivered on it, and that made me very happy. So they, the fact that they actually made them real characters and people, which, again, makes their demise so heartbreaking in A New Hope, which we've discussed, that, like, they've never gotten enough. And I would love them to do at least a, a little bit of, of retconning to give them something more than just Luke. These people who are her, his parents, because he doesn't know his real dad. Like, they've raised him from being a baby and he just gets over their death so quickly. They should really do something about that. But anyway, um, but Reva's character, I love that she essentially, it's, it mirrors what was happening with uh, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Like her whole journey is exactly what they're going through, but from her own perspective of this, like trying to like, you know, it's like use the dark side to get your, your revenge, right? To like, to heal what's broken inside of you. And so 
her 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 arc mirrors what's going on with them so it's a perfect little like bookend to what's happening in, with all the other characters i mean did we necessarily need that extra storyline in this probably not i mean considering like but i actually like it because it does show you know what you know the choices that you can make and when she essentially is like even if i kill luke like I'm not going to feel any better. Like, this is going to bring me nothing. So it's essentially, she learns the lesson Obi-Wan learned, which is like, just using violence and trying to like, get revenge on the past is never going to heal it. And so I thought it was just a really good kind of like, um, what's it called? Like an extra um, piece of the puzzle that really enriches the story. Anyway, that's how I felt. And I did think it, her performance, like I say, if you go back and look through her entire performance, you kind of see it makes a lot of sense emotionally of the journey she goes on. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like they just, like, if there were complaints about her, it's more about the script than anything else that I just mm-hmm. feel like they, yeah, if they weren't going to go full-on evil character, irredeem- irredeemable person, like, there was a kind of... Um, deepening that they could have done I, I did feel like the way it was written felt a little bit like it did feel like a little bit extra compared to everything else and that is like not the fault of the actor at all <laughs> so that's no, that's like not. it's weird it would be strange to to direct it that way but I wonder if they're I mean she's because she's left alive at the end of the of the <clears> season um I don't know if we have a confirmed season two or not, but um, not yet. I'm I'm expecting it any day, but we'll talk about that a little later. But I wonder if if they're going to try and you know pick her character back up in a separate project. But um, I, I also so. thought she. I also kind of yeah. was expecting her to die at the end there. Um, Me too, because she did sustain life threatening wounds, but then she was being like held together by evil revenge. Hate. <laughs> yeah. And then she gave that up, so I thought that and she When she die. was sprinting through the <laughs> desert after Luke, I was like, how, like, how is that possible? <laughs> like, <laughs> Revenge is a great motivator. <laughs> it's like, like Arya all over again. I was just like, that's so, just not possible. <laughs> yeah, I, mirroring what Lucas said, the whole, like, you don't want to become the thing you're hunting mm-hmm. or that you're, you're trying to avenge. And that's where, where she was basically going. She was giving in. And the at the end, her just saying to Obi Wan, "Am I like him?" and him being like, "No, you're you you've done the right thing. You've you know, you've atoned for your forget about all those innocent people you killed previously. You <laughs> didn't kill this one, so now you get to be a force ghost. You didn't kill the important maybe, one. <laughs> maybe you should apologize to that woman whose arm you cut off, yeah. and all those other people you killed. And all yeah. those. Well, now she if, she if she spends the rest of her life trying to do good and put good in the world, yes, I think you can maybe get redemption. Vader never did that. You, oh, I guess he did yeah, save the like, universe. Oh, what's the? No, who's no, the lady that died? Really no, who's, no. Who's, the, who's the lady that died? Um, last episode, uh, she was the uh, Tala. Yeah, Tala. So that's what she did because she was a stormtrooper or not a stormtrooper, like an imperial officer. Oh yeah, yeah. and yeah. and she had yeah. that that arc, but she she vowed to try and save as many lives as possible, and that's. That's good, and I agree that if they're going, this series fails if this character never appears again. Mm, yeah, in my in my in my view, uh, and maybe maybe this is where we should maybe I should save this for spoilers. Okay. Is there anything else we want to cover before we move to spoilers? I don't think so. We kind of nailed all the different. I mean, I was just so happy to get Owen and Baru. 
And they finally gave him that call. So hey, you want to meet the boy? Well, I think that <laughs> we should Texas. talk about, you know, things that we predicted that did or did not come true. Let's let's do that in the spoiler sure. section. Oh, and where's all that damn noise? Last time I heard such a fuss, it probably had to be back in the 1984 Olympics just a couple years back. Took home all them goats. A couple years? What year do you think it is? Well, of course, it's 1980. Forget this robotic relic for now. That was our spoiler alert. Easter eggs lead to theories. Theories lead to spoilers. Spoilers lead to suffering. Remember, your spoiler alert. This is. Well, since we've covered every episode of Obi-Wan up until this point, we have had several theories and predictions leading up to the series finale here. So, I know the first one, because it's literally the first thing that happened in the series, was we see the younglings in the temple basically fighting all the stormtroopers, getting slaughtered. So that one prediction came through. Reva was one of those yes, younglings. we were right. We were right. Okay. Yep. So... Full circle moment. Okay. Um, Palpatine did indeed make an appearance. Uh, very briefly. At the v- <laughs> Albeit briefly. <laughs> very briefly. Albeit briefly, he was but there. He, that was like, like he, ha- he was going to have to show up at some point. It was just in a little hologram, like a little miniature one. But he had to show up at some I point. I love those things. I wish we had those, by the way. Like, I would give up my mobile phone in a second. Two years. If I could have a little hologram that... Bink, that Bink. appears. It's coming. I would love that. Um, it would make, when I call my friends opinion. asking for outfit advice, it would make it so much easier. Yeah. Be like, this is what it looks like, okay? This is... Yeah, yeah, but it's all it's all blue. <laughs> good point. We well, will have multicolored. Point. All right. All right. We're going to have to I'm work I'm surprised we don't have this technology already. I thought that's where we're headed, according to... Jeff well, Bezos. the metaverse... <laughs> the 80s or it's whatever. Good, yeah, the metaverse is going to bring this to us. Yeah. Um, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> the, the like deflated this. O is pretty much sums up the, <laughs> most people's views of that. Okay. Um, we did get our Obi Wan Anakin lightsaber duel. Yeah, we got the lightsaber battle. Duh. Um, I <laughs> did not expect to go back to Tatooine, but obviously we had to because it's Star Wars, and I wasn't expecting Luke to get brought into this at the end. Yeah. Uh, I thought was Luke was going to get saved for season two, <laughs> and we were just going to have Leia. Yeah. But obviously, uh, what we did not, not get that Norm predicted, and I was like, "God, Norm, you're so smart." Was Leia getting her mind wiped? I yeah, yeah. I was gonna and, mention that. Did not happen. And well, they didn't. I also I also whiffed on uh, Leia's adopted mother getting killed by the yep. end. Oh yeah, yeah. That's another prediction I had on on episode one. I like that so. they went her from being just grouchy to like not grouchy. Oh, but I think, and that was her arc. I think, so when I went back and listened to the episode where we talked about that prediction, Norm, because we were talking about. The, the Last Jedi and the conversation between Luke and Leia and Leia made a comment about oh I don't really remember my mother but I know that she was very beautiful It what they were yeah. talking about Padme in that instance not her yes. mother on Alderaan so if that helps I don't know I did also that was a very good theory I was like oh that would be a very compelling storyline if she did die but she didn't um, yeah the mind warping thing not warping like mind erasing thing it now yeah. to me that puts like a major plot hole in the beginning of a new hope because she like when Leia sends Obi Wan the med- message being like oh you fought alongside my father 
in the Clone Wars. Like, she, she literally went on this, like, major excursion with the man. Oh, and you also, like, well, saved me from that kidnapping. Right. So think, she needed a quick they were, concise. I, I think they made, a, they, they made a gesture to this, right, where at the end they had their last conversation and, like, Obi-Wan kneels down to talk to her. And for a second I thought he was going to be like, you do not know who Obi Wan. That's what I thought it was. I too. really was That's expecting it. But what he said was like he's basically like you have to keep this whole thing a secret because it could be very dangerous. Like it could put both of our lives at risk if you tell anyone. And so maybe she just like really took that to heart for the rest of her life. I, I want to say yeah, yes, but like said. knowing the character of Leia, like I just feel like at some point, like that's that was gonna come out. Like, the message she sent, she maybe, you know, if it fell into the wrong hands, she's got to keep up the ruse still. I don't know. True. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, could buy, I could buy it. I could, I could buy, buy it. it. Yeah. It's a yeah, stretch. I mean, it's one but... of those things that I'm not going to spend too much time agonizing over, unlike a lot of Star Wars fans out there who seem to get really butthurt about these little details. You're like, eh, I'll just let that one um, go. The other thing, so... We, I think, I don't remember, because I can't remember what I said, but I feel like I think I said, I feel like I think I said, wow, what a contradiction there. Um, I predicted an appearance from Darth Maul. <laughs> I said that would be so cool. Or maybe Norm brought it up. Wasn't that what I got super excited I think Norm about? brought it up, and you were I like, I brought oh, it up, girl. and you got really excited okay, about I it. I remember. I kind of blacked out during I feel that bad. conversation. <laughs> I got so excited. It was just, I like, blacked out entirely. Um and I, uh, that wasn't a prediction. That that was more of a, uh, you know, the, you know, it would be cool. Well, you know what, Norm? I went like, to oh my god, Darth Maul's in the show. I love Darth Maul. I cried myself to sleep because he didn't show up. Thank you. No, <laughs> such oh. a lie. Um, but <laughs> but we finally got to see Qui Gon as a Force ghost, which was mm-hmm. like amazing because like they only hinted to it at the end of Revenge of the Sith that he was a Force ghost, but we never saw him. And then we never saw him as a force ghost ever anywhere else, even though, okay, I'm not, I'm going to stop talking. But anyways, that was really cool because Obi-Wan was talking like, and we did predict that as I recall. Yeah. Yeah. We did predict that. So we were not only right. I thought they used that very well. We didn't bring that up. How like, he's like, yeah, you weren't ready. And obviously he wasn't ready because he was barely using the force and he was just like moping around in his little desert hollow, like. (laughs) being all yeah. sad sack so now he's ready he opened himself to the force again it makes sense but that was really good i really enjoyed seeing liam neeson back on screen because that's the first time we have yeah. seen him since revenge of the sith yeah i i really really wasn't expecting to uh see him like in in as a force ghost i was expecting that maybe maybe a as like a, a, a voice flashback. oh yeah or no i was, I was thinking a voice yeah. no it was very um just cool. just like a disembodied voice not not the full Force Ghost treatment. I mm-hmm. completely agree. I really liked that. Um, I, I, I was a really so, good, it was a very classy touch. I felt to the ending of the show, like they did it very yeah. tastefully. Um, and he just wears that hair so well. He really does. He really, yeah. really so does. hard to pull off. Right. Going forward. <laughs> going forward, I I don't know. I, I said before earlier that there has to be a season two, and this ending makes me feel like a lot of people are like, no, this this was wrapped up, and I didn't get that from this. I, I really feel like there's the potential of a season two here, and I think they need to do it now, 
because I think there's still some plot holes that need to get filled in, and it probably would only work through this. But as I was saying earlier, and I said I was waiting for spoiler section, Rev, if if Reva, they didn't show Reva dying like Emilia was talking about at the end of this, then they have to have her in some other content. Otherwise, this this entire the re- reason for her being a part of this is completely moot, and it's a complete distraction from the main storyline that didn't need to happen. I agree. Period. Can um, I give my prediction, absolutely. Norm, for this? I don't oh, yes. think they're going to have an Obi-Wan season two, but I think we will see Obi-Wan again, and I think we'll see Reva again because they'll be put brought into other shows as uh, not as the protagonist, not as the main characters, but as you know, well, characters that will then appear and, I think and help other storylines. That's out. very valid. And I, after watching this series, I so badly want a Darth Vader show. Like I yes. did not okay, think that I was ever what really, I, was I really into. didn't think I'd want one because I'm like, I, not that like I oh, didn't no, I... dislike Darth Vader, but I feel like I never like felt as compelled by like some people were because he's just like not a super deep character like in the original like trilogy but then that that's why i like the prequel so much and then they made his character way cooler in rebels and so but now after seeing him like in this show I'm like I, I totally like i would follow him for another six ten twenty episodes yeah. i'd easily do it um, and they have the roadmap for it they got those comic books right. they can the uh i'm telling you the greg uh greg pack and the uh charles soul books just take one of those and make it into uh a season and yep. it would be absolutely I think it would dynamite be huge i think people will the fans would go more crazy over that than even obi-wan I oh think. i think so, so it sounds tough though like because i feel like one of the things about darth vader is that he's always 100 percent covered up with the mask and everything i know that they've like handled this in the mandalorian but uh i mean at least from the movies it's always like really hard to understand like his character beyond pure evil and so well so that's what the, okay. So I don't want to like spoil too much, but the Greg Pak series is amazing because it deals with Darth Vader investigating Padme's death, Ooh. and he feels something's off, and he goes. And I I don't want to. There's some honestly, one of the best Star Wars comic books out there is the Greg Pak one. Um, go out there, get it. Trust me, you will love it. If you are a Star Wars fan at all, you would be, and you like the prequels. And, and everything, and you love Darth Vader, this one will make you absolutely go over the okay, moon. Okay, so this is what I want to see. If we were to get a Darth Vader series, like, I want to see him find out how he has children. Because we know that he knows he has children by the, like, in the original trilogy. You know, Luke, I am your father. Yeah, but father. Not, not until, not until, uh... Sister. So you have a twin sister. Um, yeah, but he, he doesn't find that one out yeah, until... until the third one. Um, third, yeah, but in uh, Empire Strikes Back, he figures out. Yeah. So, Emilia, you own an Oculus? I, yes, I do. Okay. Have you played Vader Immortal? No. I ha- no. It is the best, one of the best um, VR games out there right now, especially for a standalone headset like Oculus. The Vader storyline is awesome in it. It truly makes, like, because he's, you don't play as him, you just play as, like, some guy that's uh, Force-sensitive. But uh, you you're kind of, like, spectating Vader's story and it goes into all the stuff that Norm's talking about and it makes him it adds more depth to that character that makes it really cool um so yeah and any I highly recommend if people own an Oculus to to get um Vader Immortal 
they trick you though because you're like oh there's three chapters to it and then you're like the first one's only 20 bucks and you realize you just spent 60 dollars on a game because um, you got to do all three. Once you start playing them, you're like, I can't just play one. I got to know what happens all. in the story. And um, but it's really that's worth how it. they get you, young. That's how they get you. Uh, but it's worth it. It's really cool. Not, and I even I, so I wrote my friend James, who works for Lucasfilms, when I, after I played that game, and I was like, dude, this is some of the best storytelling you guys have done in a long time, uh, because it was so impressive to me that they actually use Vader properly. Um, anyway, well, yes. I think I think too. I, I just like seeing him battle like seeing his strength like with modern like special effects and all the things they can do with the force was just like beyond cool to me like Mm -hmm. seeing him do it and nothing like it was not even comparable to the original trilogy like truly and it was like the taste that we got in the clone wars with him and rebels but it's animated so for them to bring that into like live action was super dope i think it would make a very compelling show the thing that makes me think that there will be an Obi-Wan season two is I want to understand like I want to see Obi-Wan through the process of like studying and becoming a force ghost I also want to see how they're going to make him look like Alec Guinness in a short time period of 10 years <laughs> it's Tatooine two yeah, sons sand of course, course gets uh, everywhere I want to see that yeah. I want to see a little bit more of the development of him and Luke's relationship because it seemed like they were very close um you know buy a new hope sort of yes or no um and also it's the, there's just like a plot line with darth maul and obi-wan and rebels and i get mm-hmm. they i i kept going back to that moment while watching the show and like i kind of just want to like i i just like i want to see that or i just want to see more development development into that basically what i'm saying is i just want to see darth maul back on screen <laughs> like, i wouldn't i wouldn't mind a uh, darth maul crimson dawn series that would be pretty I cool i think though i think we're gonna get there with like the whole thing about spice and they're sneaking in in every single star wars series of the like except for this one thank you because it wasn't really a thing but no it was they did sneak it in what are you talking about yeah obi-wan got offered spice by a drug dealer what the heck and then he, and used, then he used it, it. uh <laughs> Spice lab. As a weapon, Silly, but still. silly me. Like, I think we're building up to that. We're building, like, into the crime syndicate. Like, there's going to be a show. Right, which which brings up the fact that our next blind spot for Emilia will be... Solo. Solo. Solo, really? I'd love it if we Yeah. Did. I'd like to rewatch that one, so I'd be into it. I just need Emilia to see the sequels. Like, I yeah, yeah, just... Yeah, yeah, I yeah, know... Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. I just, like, have a feeling you're going to like them. Look... The mysterious Prusikowski has dictated that Solo, a Star Wars story, okay. be the next. I'm fine yeah. with that. I hate that it's titled <laughs> Solo, a Star Wars story, and Rogue One is Rogue One, a Star Wars story. A Star Wars story, yeah. <sighs> it's because their viewing public has, like, you know... Well, to be fair, up until people. Rogue One, all the Star Wars were Star Wars, episode, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Okay. Well, it's tough, you know, solo, a Han story, whatever. <laughs> Rogue One, a story, yeah. They, the naming conventions of uh, any, like, Star Wars franchise, any any Star Wars media has always been a little muddled. They need to since. take a page from Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> right. Never be consistent. Yeah. That's the trick. Too fast, too furious, the furiousness. Mm-hmm. Fast right. XX is the next... But also, too, y'all... Fast X. 
whatever. You said fast triple X. Um, I'm not going to lie, and I'm just going to like manifest this into the universe, which I do quite often on this podcast because I really want it. Like, if there was an Obi-Wan season two, we already know we're getting a Bad Batch season two. If, like, the Bad Batch somehow found Obi-Wan at some point in their excursions, because it would be the right time period, just saying, I think that would be super dope. And if Well, the I... Bad Batch is never going to be live action. <laughs> you just got it. <laughs> Bridget Hopes. What if, what if Obi Wan appeared as animated? I yeah. would be content with that. It's happened. But all I'm saying is, I think it would be really cool to see the Bad Batch in live action. But they've had to do a lot of makeup happen. work. I would, I would love to see Tamir Morrison dressed like Rambo. Are you I kidding would, me? That's what I'm saying. You would have to that's, have like a wig, and then you'd have to I'm have saying. like an eye patch, and then it's like ridiculous. But it's not going to work. Old. It's not going to work. Old. That's the issue. He's yeah, they could get old. maybe another. Act. They're going to de-age him five times. They can't. He could literally. It's just not going to work. Old. He could only play a washed-up clone veteran hobo. That's yeah. like that was what his, <laughs> he was capable of for this series. Yes. Old. So you Boba see what I'm Fett. saying? <laughs> yes. Unless they get another actor, like a younger actor, and they replace him. Anyway. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, but also, too, if we got a Darth Vader series, I would like to know more about, like, Stormtroopers, like, the next generation of Stormtroopers, like, that I do want to also discover. But anywho. Well, the sequels dive into the, what happens after the fall of the Empire. They don't do enough. They don't do enough. I know, but it's something (laughs) that they should be explored. Anyway. Anywho. Okay. Well, I, I think that just about covers it. That is... It's the end of a uh, old Ben Kenobi series. The end of Obi Obi Wan Kenobi. Dude, so I would have loved it if they called uh... it Old Ben Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> old Man Kenobi. 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 All right, all right, wait, class, wait, no, settle no, no, down, no, no, no. settle down. Guys, I and I can't wait. This is a real quick mention. I can't believe Norman to say it. We did get the dramatic Anakin yell once Obi Wan left. The, no! <laughs> we did get it. We did get it. <laughs> yeah, we did. Crucial. All right, should we hop in this teleporter? All right, class, grab your seats, put your communicators on silent. We're about to begin. I'm Admiral Longacre. Welcome to The Verse, Star Trek Academy, our one-on-one coverage of Strange New Worlds and beyond. Yay, the Admiral's here! Hello, number one. Thanks for joining. Well, yeah, I'd say that Lucas fell to me. Where'd Lucas go this time? Oh, brother. All right, what are we covering today, Admiral? All right, let's get started. So today we're going to be covering episodes uh, Lift Us, Where Suffering Cannot Reach, and The Serene Squall. I have a so, question. let's begin. I have a question before yes. we begin. Okay, how many episodes... I feel like this is how you are in every class, by the way, Bridget. I Sitting in the front, I am a star pupil. Let me just tell you. Even though I can't read, <laughs> yes. I'm a star pupil. Okay. <laughs> how many episodes of Strange New Worlds are we going to be getting? There will be 10 total. And will all 10 be on the final exam? Everything that is in the class is on the final exam. I don't know how many times I have to tell students this. If it's in the class, is it it'll gonna be, on be the multiple final exam. choice? Will it be multiple choice? Yes, 
and then open to interpretation. I usually allow, uh, you know, an essay portion that is makes up a, su- a substantial part okay. of the grade. Yes. Will there be extra credit? Always. The extra credit is if you want to watch any episodes outside of the series that tie into the series <laughs> that I recommend, you will get extra credit. So if I essentially we- watch the entire original Star Wars series will that like equate will that be enough bonus points that i well, don't well unfortunately have to star wars and star trek oh, wait. star wars and star trek are not in the same universes so no so i just failed sorry i just failed i actually get negative bonus points so- <laughs> the difference is star so- trek fans are very tolerant and uh and welcoming for the most part so you can make mistakes and you're forgiven because it's a very uh positive and hopeful community which which we get in the episode uh, the the squall the squall the serene episode. squall serene squall. But first, we're um, going to start off on lift us where suffering cannot reach. Uh, and what happens in this episode is a threat to an idyllic planet reunites Captain Pike with the lost love of his life. So he has to protect her and this holy child that there's a conspiracy that's trying to like kidnap him, um, and he's forced to then like kind of intervene in this planet's uh, uh, politics to try to save this child. Which this this is based off of a uh, a, a th- philosophical uh, conundrum, right? Yes, I mean, what I love about this episode, uh, and I'd love to hear what everybody else thinks, but is this is pure Star Trek. Like it, it takes a really philosophical idea and put you know puts it in the Star Trek universe so that they have to grapple with it. Which is is the life of one child worth an entire the the peace and prosperity of an entire civilization? Um, it reminds me a lot of. Um like the questions asked in the trolley problem. And then also yes. it reminds me a lot of Snowpiercer for obvious reasons. Right. But yeah, like is the life, of, uh, the lives of, of an entire planet, um, you know, if you could just kill one human or sacrifice one adult human, mm-hmm. would that change if it were one child human? Why would it change? You know, and, and at what point, like, is there a, I guess it's like a it's a question of utilitarianism, like what is acceptable. Yes. Yeah, it's a wonderful, um, uh, you know, moral question that doesn't have an easy answer. There's no right, like right or wrong. There's a huge gray area in here. And I love though how Pike has a it, to him it's actually a very easy question to answer, which is no, it's unacceptable, and because it's not just the, the death of a child, it's suffering. Like yes, that kid that, is stuck in that machine in pain for his entire existence. And I love how they have this whole religion around it saying like, no, but like, that's why we celebrate him and we honor him every year. It's like, well, tell that to the kid who's like literally agonizing every day he's alive. Um, it's, it's, it was also important to note that she, she mentions to Pike cause Pike asks like, yeah. is he going to suffer? And she's like, yes. yes, we don't understand how it works or why it works or anything like that. We just know it works. And also, the, the part that he did this willingly. Yeah. And it's like, how can you ask that of a child? Yeah, a child doesn't have any can... understanding, especially when you gr- grow up and groomed in this philosophy that, you know, that this is the way it has to be, right? He's never allowed yeah. to, to question it. Um, and in fact, his father, what I love too, is that this idea that the father who was part of the society was fine with it being other children, but as soon as it was his, his own child, he suddenly can't do it. And there's something right. that's really, I think, human about that, where it's like, abstractly, we like these things, but until they affect us. I honestly think this episode is a huge critique on conservatism. 
this idea that like we can't change anything like this is how we did it before and we can't change this because it's going to be destabilizing it's not going to work everything you try to do is going to break and be awful so we got to keep doing what we did before sacrificing a child for this so in other words uh we keep sacrificing our young to promote stability instead of risking you know chaos um and that's kind of the tension between liberal and conservatism and and then the the key the core difference is that like it's all okay and that like philosophy holds until it affects you directly exactly and the thing is like the sort of liberal mindset i don't mean this in a political sense but like literally the spectrum of like liberal versus conservative like philosophy is uh you know liberals think about the suffering of others as Mm -hmm. more closely as the suffering of their own whereas there might be like tighter familiar or familial or personal bonds like within conservative communities it's just like you know other people are kind of like they need to fend for themselves i need to look out for mine and my own so it's Mm -hmm. very that's like there's a huge divide there no and it's that's what i love about this episode is it tackles all that and it doesn't leave us with any easy answer right i mean i know how we feel about it but it still is like it's it's a really powerful episode and in some ways even though this is less fun of an episode although we did get pike having his first romance which i appreciated and he got to like try to do a captain kirk like battle to fight his way to save the kid and lose it was very kirk like in that regard yes um uh, it's still like kind of more of a brutal episode it's harder to enjoy it as much because of what happens in it right well again i've said this before one of my favorite things about star trek has always been these these philosophical Mm -hmm. gray areas where it's it's not spelled out for you which side is really right or wrong. Like they they kind of let you up to to decide for your own. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always love about Star Trek. One of the parts in this episode that I absolutely thought was pivotal uh and makes me question things and makes me like think deeper about it. It was when she's like we've done research. We've tried to figure out how how to like maybe not do this, but we all keep we keep coming back to this. And you said that it's a critique on conservatism, and that was big for me because that's also a very conservative way of looking at things. Oh, we've looked at it, and there was nothing that solved. There was no—I'm sorry to use—there's no silver bullet. Yes. And, like, that that part of me is like, okay, well, can we do it a different way still? Mm-hmm. And that's just my mindset, and it's it's so—it's so fun— um, as a mind exercise and an emotional exercise to be like, where do I stand on this particular question? Yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah, they make the, they make the case for it too. Like in the, like the entire first, like 80% of the episode, this is not revealed to us yet. It's just like, there's this underlying plot that, uh, but they make the case about how, idyllic this place is and like how they have no illnesses and we see how that like could directly impact people on the enterprise like mabenga like who's, Mbenga, uh, who's, like yes Kirk. who's looking for a cure for his daughter and they potentially could help lead to a cure and so like there's you, a lot of good that comes from the yeah. society yeah. so you think about that a lot and you're like oh this place seems great there's like some kind of weird undercurrent tone and then at the end it really like lifts the veil and um well, it's extremely shocking <laughs> Yeah, you think you think uh, they're trying to play it off that like they're just um, what's the phobia I'm trying to think of where you fear outsiders xenophobia xenophobia yeah they think they make you think during the episode it's all with this underlying xenophobic 
um, mystery. Like, oh, that's the reason why it seems so weird or whatnot. And then, uh, unfortunately, I, I, I kind of saw this coming because I know this particular ph- philosophical debate that runs off of the trolley car, car problem. But, like, I kind of saw it, like, right before the reveal that the uh, when the father and him magically disappear mm-hmm. or they teleport magically off the, uh, the ship kind of saw it coming but yeah still, I mean I, like, I kind of saw this coming from from the beginning partly because I know how these plot points work where they're like if they're making them look this good there's got to be yeah. some evil lurking underneath and which for was sure. way more cool than I, I did not expect it to be we torture a child <laughs> for you know until it dies um, so yeah so the uh, anyway any questions about this episode about the peripheral characters or um, uh, anything that happened in it well again going the mechanics into of Star, Star Trek, World. Trek I, and I, I'm going to go with this. It's probably tainted through Star Wars, but I always like as I was very confused in the first episode with Spock and like his wife, essentially or fiance, I guess. Um, fiance. I. Uh, like, I felt like was under this understanding that like they couldn't marry or like be in love, and then I thought it was maybe just a Spock thing because of his species, but then obviously that's not true, and then obviously Kirk has relations and had relations, so that was just me being proved wrong <laughs> so yes, is there a question it's the military <laughs> it's, it's, the mil- it's the military it's not it's not a it's not a cult like the jedi yeah oh, well, that's yes. what I, I guess that's what i didn't understand like this is it's but like, actually it's not a military what's interesting about starfleet is that they're a science research organization right and the, but the it alliance, runs like a military but it is ran exactly it's hierarchical uh, very much like a navy or military exactly but their their whole goal is not for to defense. It's actually for for um, you know exploration and uh, and actually I guess the whole idea of the, it's like the United Nations, right? Like it's everybody's cooperating together to preserve peace. In theory. In theory, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but so uh, your question though was like if people are allowed to have relationships, is yeah, that part of the like, question you were yeah, asking? Yeah, it just Bridget? seems like. Like it reminds you of the military, but then they're like they're away like for an undetermined amount of time. So that's like why even bother starting well, well, a relationship? They, this this is on a five year mission. That's so what I'm original, saying. Why would uh, you sign up for a five year mission? Like if you have a wife or something, like. Well, that's the thing is you are away. I mean, that's uh, similar to joining the navy. People would sign up and be gone for a year, you know, and then maybe you come back for like a rest period, and then you're, you know, obligated to then return to your ship and then go out into space again uh they've answered this question in the next generation where they actually allow for families to be on board so the next generation the starship is so huge the enterprise that they actually a lot of the officers and people are allowed to have families that are on board and in fact miles o'brien in space nine i'm sorry he's miles o'brien starts out in next generation he's an engineer first he's a transport chief then becomes an engineer but anyway he has a wife keiko who's on the next generation as his wife on board and then they go to, he goes to deep space nine she goes with him so okay. essentially the family like in child. the military can travel along with you to where you are stationed okay. as well if that clears anything yeah, up. yeah that know. does yeah, yeah uh in in fact in uh uh next generation there's a episode where scotty shows up and he calls the enterprise a luxury cruise liner which <laughs> is some, very similar to something compared akin to, to the yeah. sleek you know kind of like uh you know very, was it uh, almost like a military vessel that the original Enterprise was? Uh, the, you know, the the one in Next Generation is more like a cruise liner. Yeah, 
because they have like a hollow deck and they have, you know, uh, what ten, is it? They have a uh, ten forward, ten forward, which is like a lounge with, with a bartender. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Anyway, all right. So that was that episode, and um, just one last little trivia about that episode. It might feel a little different than all the rest of them because it was actually based on an unused script by Gene Roddenberry from the original Star Trek series. Okay, that 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 actually makes a lot of sense because right? it feels it feel very more classic. Closer to, yeah, feels yep. very it's classic, and also it is almost a little more ballsy than you know some yeah. of the more modern ones we get because it really I think could touch a nerve on some people. No, um, it felt like uh, it honestly felt like the first. It definitely felt like the, the original series, but also the first like two seasons of Next Generation where Roddenberry yeah. was still writing and whatnot. Yeah. So it it felt very. Yeah, was well, pretty yeah, shocking classic. that they had. Uh, that they were like, they just went for the whole dead child thing. Yeah, tortured. Really went there. Dead child. Tortured yeah. and it's, dead. Yes. That's what I mean. And there's a reason I think they did not include it in the original series is because it really was uh, maybe went a little too far, which can happen. Yeah. Like they they were like, this is not going to fly in 1960s. Yeah, but now you know, in the 2000s, with you know, uh, kids getting shot up in schools and everything like that. Well, we're fine now. Yeah, yeah. We've obviously progressed Sorry. a lot as a species. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to actually happier episode, which is the Serene Squall. Uh, one of the reasons I am such a fan of Strange New Worlds, and I keep telling everybody, whether they're Star Trek fans or not, to watch it, is because of what they can do. As we said with the Obi-Wan show, it, when you do serialized, it allows you to completely almost whiplash change tones. So we go from yeah. a really heady, like um, philosophical sci-fi episode to then a pirate episode. Um, that and is totally fan service uh, for those of us who have, are big Star Trek fans. Um, so what happens in the Serene Squall is, while on a dangerous humanitarian mission, the crew of the USS Enterprise stumbles into a harrowing game of leverage with the Quadrant's deadliest space pirate. Um, this was a really fun episode, and I would yeah. love, I'm curious to hear how it landed with everybody else. For me, it... Uh reinforced my love for lieutenant uh, erica ortegas oh yeah she, she is fun. she has these great one-liners in this episode that are just mwah. Mm-hmm. um god I, I love this character and i'm starting to wonder whether or not i actually want like an uh, episode focused on her just because i love the random commentary that she kind of puts out there and i'm like maybe that's just like her thing and that should be her thing because it's so good mm-hmm I know that I liked the character of Aspen um, you know, before they revealed themselves, but they, it, it was like, um, it was an interesting ter- uh, character because like they introduced them uh, very quietly as non-binary and just like they, they didn't make it a whole big deal out of mm-hmm. anything. Um, and then you meet them and it's like, especially because the, like they have that, they start ta- they start like talking to Spock and about like his identity struggle and the way that yeah because he gives some context to the viewers so Spock is half human and half Vulcan and he feels mm-hmm. like he doesn't belong uh, he he's like too human to be Vulcan too Vulcan to be human and he he doesn't feel like he fits in anywhere and that's what I thought was really cool to have the character of Doctor Aspen played by Jesse James Keitel because uh, they they tell him listen dude like you can be whatever you want like you can define who you are which was such a clever way of addressing a, a, what's a, a basic storyline of Spock. This is his storyline since the original series, and they found a new way to explore that 
really cool. I'm glad you mentioned that, Emilia. I thought it was interesting because I was like, you know, with every new character in a series like this, you, you ask yourself, like, am I on board with them? Do we think they're a good guy? Do you think they're bad guys? Are going to be a twist? And I really, like, had a really had a hard time reading Aspen for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this seems good. But they also are dressed like a villain. But they have all of these interesting, <laughs> like, um, you know, story aspects that they're that they're adding and um, enriching Spock. And, and ultimately, you know, despite everything that happens in this episode, I think they had a positive effect. <laughs> yes. And in fact... So what we got to get into is a couple spoiler things. One is that it turns out uh, uh, Dr. Aspen has a, a love or relationship, I guess you would say, with, it turns out, Spock's brother. Half-brother. Half-brother, who lives, who is in prison. And that's why this whole happened. And it turns out Dr. Aspen was the, the head pirate all along, which is the big reveal that happens. Uh, but meanwhile, while Spock's dealing with, you know, the ship getting invaded and, you know, maybe having to... Uh, who's almost, he's almost going to get murdered by Dr. Aspen to, um, uh, in exchange for his brother. We got Pike and Ortega and everybody else, and uh, number one down on the, you know, what is it? The they're, It's not a planet that they're on. It's like a... No, the, the, they're on the Serene Squall. Oh, they're ship. on the Serene Squall, yes. And um, be, kind of being held hostage. Uh, and that's where we get some amazing hijinks. Like, it's almost like this wonderful humor to this episode where Pike has to outsmart these kind of idiot pirates because it turns out Dr. Aspen's the smart one who's on on the Enterprise and the, the rest that are left over aren't the brightest bulbs. Um, and we get him cooking. The fact that he's like wins over the pirates by cooking, um, you know, to me just touches my heart because that's truly like how I would love to diffuse every situation is just like start barbecuing and grilling some stuff up. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's Dominic awesome. Toretto this. It's yeah. not always about uh, how well you can fight, right? Mm-hmm. But that's what's great about this series over and over again is that, I mean, we've talked about how Pike is becoming, like, my favorite captain. I think, Norm, you're almost on board yeah. on this, right? Like, he yeah, I'm, I'm close. All the different aspects of what I love about the different captains, like, all rolled into one. Uh, but also the inter- interaction with the rest of the crew on this is really fun and how you think they are totally victorious piloting with that awesome, um, uh, which, by the way, of the tattoo of, uh, of the <laughs> awesome um, helm, like, which is like a manual helm on a starship, <laughs> which is cool. But then you hear like all the pirates still trying to take back their <laughs> the ship. He's still background. going on. We have to. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's no, just it... really fun episodes that, you know, really cool character uh, you know, exploring characters and especially Spock and his relationship. And then they layer on top of it, just all the kind of fun hijinks just really made me appreciate what they're able to do with the show, which is change each episode as a different kind of genre and a different approach. And what do you guys think about um, the kiss between um, nurse chapel and Spock and that story and that hookup? The, I'm a little iffy on it. Uh, only because, like, I thought it was well played for the moment. Uh, but the whole romance that like is seems one sided right now, mm-hmm. but maybe might make a slight turn. I don't know. It seems out of character for Spock. At least the Spock that I've known. I didn't like it. Well, yeah, I don't know if I yeah. buy that. You're not a fan, Bridget. No, I didn't like it. All right, well, I'll say that from the original series, Chapel had a crush on Spock, and he never reciprocated it. And that's what's kind of 
I'm assuming they're going to follow the same suit, which is he only did that in this episode to, to like... And by the way, if you notice, there's a little um, uh, Easter egg to point out. When T. Pring, when they do, like, they do their marriage unvows, whatever, she doesn't do the full Vulcan salute. She doesn't have her, her fingers fully parted. And so he, she was essentially communicating. Yeah, she had her thumb in. She, she was communicating to Spock, like, this isn't real. Um, oh. which was, so you could tell that she understood it was a subterfuge. Um, uh, wait, so then they're still married? Yeah, they're still betrothed. betrothed. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But and honestly, Chapel, I think what they're going to do is probably this idea that I think is very closely original series. I could be wrong, uh, but it's that um, she's going to be kind of have like a infatuation with Spock that they can never you know fully commit to. Wait, and so he'll always be standoffish and professional, and she's going to kind of have a crush on him, but never be able to see it through. Admiral, yes. I discovered something this weekend. What's that? Is that Spock plays Black Bolt in the Multiverse of Madness? It's no, not. no, 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 Anson no, no. does. Pike, Pike, Pike does. Captain Pike, Pike plays, plays Black Bolt in the Black Multiverse of Madness. Yes. <laughs> yes, isn't that cool? I did, so I never watched the uh, what was it? The, oh, the Inhumans, Inhumans television show. I never watched uh, the Inhumans. Oh, it's not good. Okay, but oh, he was that's great where as Black, Black Bolt, Bolt is from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea where that came from. Anyways. Off topic. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll skip that one. Um, but yes, you are correct about that. And honestly, he also, Anson Mount was in that motorcycle show uh, that I never watched that I really should have. <laughs> Sons of Anarchy? Sen- was it? Yeah, I think it was Sons of Anarchy. No, no, I'm sorry. He was in, was in the motorcycle show. It was the Wild West show. Um, uh, let me get the name right. Oh, Hell on Wheels. So he was in this show, Hell on Wheels, that I oh. saw the pilot of and maybe a couple episodes, and I liked it. I thought it was pretty good, and unfortunately I never stuck with it because uh, I did hear good things about it. Um, but it's like Anson Mount had a few misfires where he, he did a fine job as an actor. Uh, it just didn't, you know, the shows didn't happen, Inhumans being one of them. And the fact yeah. that he got in Discovery as Pike and now got his own show as uh, Strange New Worlds, I, I'm just so happy this worked out for this guy because he's pretty cool. He's doing a great job. I agree. I, I, I'm really liking the Pike character for sure. Yeah. I like Pike. I really do like Spock. Like, I really like this Spock. I mm-hmm. really like this guy. Like, I feel like this guy is just, like, Spock. Like, he is Spock. Like, yeah, he just does I, a very good God, job I mean, of being Spock. Like, I just enjoy seeing him be Spock. <laughs> How many times can I say I Spock? I agree. Like, it's so Spock. funny because it's such an established character, right? Like, but then every version of Spock has been good. Like the original, I'm always going to be a Nimoy fan. Like the original Nimoy Spock for me is eternal. But Zachary Quinto did a phenomenal job of being Spock okay. in Absolutely. the J.J. Abrams movies. Like, and then I was like, wow, I love him as Spock. And then I'm like, what am, oh, what am I going to think about this new guy? He does an incredible job. So like in- incredibly each version of Spock is good. Can I, like, in my open-ended essay on the final, just talk about how much I love Spock? Sure, you will get an A plus okay. from me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that's it for this this episode. The next class will will be covering the Elysium Kingdom, which uh, just a little forewarning, it's going to figure Dr. Mabenga. And actually, I did an interview with Dr. Mabenga that's up on Awards Radar uh, that I highly recommend people check out because the actor Babs Allison Mokin. I did an interview with him that's on Awards Radar. Super interesting guy. Um, and we really dive into his character as well as kind of his career and also, uh, you know, the episode Elysium Kingdom we really talk about and, and how we approached it. So, Well, 
In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to The Verse wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Also, you can reach out to us on Twitter at TheVerseCast and let us know what you think about Star Trek Academy. Let us definitely let us know what you think about thought about the series finale of Obi-Wan. Did you have predictions that didn't or did come true? Did you agree with our predictions? So in addition to following us at the verse cast you can follow me bridger brogan at bridger brogan 16 on instagram and twitter and if you want to follow me you can follow me on twitter at random underscore white guy and if you want to follow me you can follow me at luconian logic on instagram and on twitter if you want to follow me emilia you can find me on twitter at emilia U. oh and if you want to follow me but i'm over here chasing the roaches I saw one scurry into that airlock. You should you should go check over there. Uh, thank you for the head start, Norm. Off I go. Finally, there's our producer, Stephen Prusikowski, who last we checked was crushed with all that guilt under a pile of boulders. He can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at FilmSnork. And if you are a fan of Better Call Saul, Stranger Things, Severance, Yellow Jacks, or other very high-quality TV series, make sure to check out his interviews on AwardsRadar.com. Wait, is that our music? Yep, there it is. Thanks for listening. Keep sending in those questions and comments to our Twitter page, and we'll see you next time in The Verse. The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Steven Kruzikowski. So A for Alderaan. B for Ben. C for... For... Crystals. Your favorite, your, I was saying your favorite uh, robot. <laughs> oh, C-3PO. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Gonna need help in this. D for Darth. Ooh, E. An E-wing? <laughs> Is that a thing? An Ewok, man! An Ewok! <laughs> oh, Ewok. All right, well, I'll tap out. I'll never join you! <laughs> Sorry. F as in father, as in Luke. I am your father. Oh, I believe he says no. I am your father. <laughs> oh, that's yes. true. That's the accurate one. Um, I've like literally been thinking about this one too, and I can't think of anything for G. Guess I'll tap out. No. Okay. Um, G for Greedo. H for Han Solo. <laughs> that's who. That's who Han shot only. I for the Inquisitors. Ooh. J is for Jar Jar. <laughs> Oh, I didn't say Jedi. You had to eat a, but yes, Jar Jar. You went there for Jay? I almost mentioned Jar Jar earlier, so I had to sneak him in here. Uh, K, uh, Kyber Crystals. I was going to say Kylo Ren, but okay. I didn't do that only because Emilia hasn't seen the... Uh, okay. L is for Leia. M is for Maul. Ooh. N is for Naboo. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta I got do the alphabet in my head real quick to figure <laughs> Good job. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah. we're at right mm-hmm. Um Organa. Yeah, I was gonna say Senator Organa, nice. Broski, Obi-Wan, like what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, <What>? yeah. <laughs> no, I, th- I like Organa for Senator Organa. I do like Organa. that, that's good. It's a deeper cut. Uh, deeper cut, yeah. P is for Palpatine. Q, ooh, Q. Qui-Gon, yeah. Qui-Gon Jinn. I was going to say Queen Amidala, but that, that's better. Oh, that's another good one. 
Okay, R. The queen. Ooh, uh. That one's easy. Come yeah, but on. I want to think of something clever now. There's plenty more. Op- there's plenty more uh, chances. Um, gray. Yeah, I was gonna say R two. Come on. R2. S. There is a plethora of things I could pick from. Hmm. But I'm gonna go with uh, Star Destroyer. Oh, that was a good one. I thought it was gonna be funny if you said like sand, <laughs> because that would have set my T up perfectly, which is tattooing. <laughs> I would have just said Star Wars. <laughs> I still that, Sith, that's because I deal in absolute. Could have Sith. Yeah, there was there was a ton. You're cool with chosen Skywalker or everything else. In Star Wars. <laughs> that's the one I was like, I was like, that's I the obvious one, I and I was like, up. okay, that's what I would have done. <laughs> This feels a little unfair. Not, yeah. I don't know if anyone else can think of anything. I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think. No, that's, that's too bad that he. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. But I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Wow. You, I was just going to say universe. Oh, good. <laughs> Uncle <laughs> Owen. Not... Oh, oh, that's even better. Dang. T-U- you can't just say universe. I can That's say crazy. universe. Yeah, universe. Star Wars universe. Hell yeah, it applies. I can say Okay. It. <laughs> v, v is for Vader. Okay. W is for Wookiee. X is X-Wing. What's after X? Y. Y. <laughs> y. No. <laughs> <laughs> y is for Yoda. And then... Yoda. Yeah. Z. Z. Ooh. Oh, is this where we... Where, where it all falls well, apart. Amalia, do you know what I, yeah. I almost said well, before I thought? I was going to say Xenon, and hopefully you, you know what that means. Um, oh, Z? Z? That's the sound of my lightsaber. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I actually I actually had something for Z in the Zarbrax. Oh. Zarbrax. Is that one of the bounty hunters? What? How do you yes. spell the Zar- Zarlag pit? Is it with an S, right? Zarlag pit. Yeah. Well, I couldn't think of anything, so we're not out. Norm answered. I was I was almost a winner, so can't I say the force is with me? <laughs> I mean, she was the last one standing. She's the last one standing. As the last one standing, I have the higher ground. <laughs> the force is with me. <laughs>